Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 9, verse 25. It is a beautiful story. It's an incredible story that I think uh, is so indicative of the touch of Jesus in the community. And he picks the hard cases sometimes. He picks those that no one else can do. And he ministers in a way that only he can minister. I think it would be in order for us to stand. It was in honor of God's word this morning as we read. And he answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. I was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. Amen. Give somebody a high five before you're seated. You may be seated. God bless. Let me offer a quick word of prayer. Lord, it is so good that we are here in your presence on this beautiful Lord's Day. And we have gathered together for one purpose, and that is to love you and to worship you. To let everybody know whose side we're on. We're on your side. Lord, we are here to express our hearts of gratitude and thanksgiving to you. And Lord, as your servant, I ask for a sweet, sweet anointing of the presence of God. And we will be very careful to give you all of the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. I think it's important for us to take time to get to know the Lord. You cannot get to know the Lord on just Sunday morning. You can't get to know the Lord just on Sunday night. You cannot get to know the Lord just on Wednesday night, just when we gather together. You need to have a relationship with the Lord each and every day of your life. When you wake in the morning, you say, oh, good Lord, good morning, Lord, instead of saying, oh, Lord, it's morning. We need to, we need to be able to take and, and right off the bat begin to give him praise. Lord, thank you for this coffee I'm about to consume. Lord, thank you for this Dr. Pepper, this prune juice that I'm about to consume. Don't make me pruny, amen. Give me a good day today, Lord, even if the sun is not shining. Help me to be a witness to those around me. Lord, help me to be a light in a dark place. I pray, Lord, that I'll get to know you just a little bit better. Lord, give me something that I did not know about you. Lord, give me just a little golden nugget, as if it were, to help me to get through this week. And so it's time that we get to know Jesus more than just getting saved. Amen. We need to have a relationship on a first-name basis. Come on. Lord, it's Alvin. I'm coming back again. I thank you for the time we've had. But, oh, I'm back again, Lord. I, I, I want to feel your presence again today. I want to I be used of you today, Lord. I'm like Pastor Nathan. I'm glad that I don't, uh, you know, I don't, I don't uh, fly off the handle like I used to. You know what? That's dangerous, flying off the handle. <laughs> oh, throwing mud, you lose ground, praise God. I'm glad that I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. Are we perfect? Well, we're pretty close. But yet we're so far away. God is working on us. And I like that kid song that said, he's still working on me. He's still making me and molding me. But you know, we need to get to know the Lord in a very personal way. Abraham knew the Lord as his friend. Abraham was challenged to do a lot of things in the Old Testament. And he stepped up to the challenge. He was looking for that city whose builder and maker is God. He left everything to go and follow after the thing. And he knew the Lord as friend. He was sitting out in his tent. And he knew the Lord as friend. They began to commune back and forth. You know, when you talk to a friend, you talk, you, you let your hair down. You let your guard down a little bit. And you just talk from the recesses of your heart. I tell you, I, I listen to Sister Susan as she talks to her friends, and I don't know how they got come up with so much to talk about. I'm going to make a bologna sandwich, and they're still talking. Oh, come on. They're developing, re, re, making relationships, amen. And, and, and the, long, the more you get to know somebody, the more you want to spend time with them. Job knew the Lord as his redeemer. Peter knew the Lord as his provider. Thomas knew the Lord as his great revealer, the re revealer of who he was. And you and I, we know the Lord as our Lord and as our Savior. And oh, how good that is to know that you are a child of the Most High God. And on this Sunday morning at Northside Assembly, 
God has said to you personally that he knows you and he loves you and he cares about every aspect of your life. What do you know this morning concerning the Lord and whom do you know? How do you know the Lord? Amen. Oh, many know the Lord. Uh, Many know about Jesus, but they really just really don't know the Lord. Come on. How many know what I'm talking about here? You can talk about Jesus all you want. You, you know that he's the son of God and you know that he came from heaven and you know all that. But do you really know him as the Lord of your life? Some know Jesus as Lord and others know him as their deliverer, as their friend, as the rose of Sharon, as the lily of the valley, as the healer, as our personal Lord and Savior and soon coming King. He's going to know us. Well, have you ever missed an opportunity? Good old Frank. And Mike, anybody know this show? Do you like that show, you know? The reason why I put this up here is, is because Mike, the skinny one, he always makes the statement, sometimes when you find a 1946, what is it, 1946? I guess that was Panheads, wasn't it? Panhead motorcycle, Panhead Harley-Davidson. I know there's panheads, shovelheads, and knuckleheads. <laughs> when you find an old rare piece of, of, uh, of a yard junk or yard iron or, or uh, a beautiful piece of furniture, if you don't pull the trigger and buy it, you may never have that opportunity again. Now, I want to tell you something that might shake, your, shake you a little bit in your boots. And that is this, that the Spirit of Almighty God is the one who draws us to the Lord. I would ever, oh, I would hate to have to to come to the realization that God says, you know what, just shake the dust off your shoes and go on. The Spirit of God will draw you to Him. And when you feel the drawing of God into your life, you better take opportunity to do something about it. You say, well, I can get saved anytime I want to. Well... I wouldn't chance it. I'd say when the opportunity is there, pull the trigger. When the opportunity is there, accept Christ as the Lord of your life. The greatest opportunity of all times is not some material item that you find stuck away in a, in, in a barn. No, the greatest value that material is not something that you find. Uh, but what it is is simply is to accept Christ Jesus as the Lord of your life. And life will become worth the living. There is danger in the missed opportunity. Almost thou hast persuaded me to be a Christian. King Agrippa, what must I do to receive eternal life? Sell everything you have to the rich young ruler and give it to the poor and come follow me. Oh, I can't do that. I've got too much money. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, I will come in to them and I will sup with them and be their God. You know, there's different ways to be drawn unto the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit working in one's life, drawing them to come to Jesus. That's how I got saved. People were praying for me. I didn't know they were praying for me, but I knew something was happening. And whenever the Spirit of the Lord came to me and began to draw me, uh, there was a conviction that gripped my spirit, my heart, my soul. And I came to a place one day where I knew that it was going to be my last opportunity to accept Christ as my Savior. I didn't know what was going to happen to me. I didn't know whether I was going to be struck dead, whether I was going to die, what was going to happen. But I just knew that my time was running out. Anybody could identify with me am I the only one? I just knew it was my time to get right with God. I knelt down in my living room of my house, a little farmhouse out by Stratford. And there I accepted Christ as the Lord of my life. And oh, the joy that flooded my soul. Oh, the peace that came. Oh, the healing of my mind, the healing of my spirit was an ongoing work of God, and it still is an ongoing work of God. I can tell you that I called my mom and my father, invited them to come out to let them know that I'd given my heart and life to the Lord. And so when they came out, I didn't have a lot of furniture in the house, but I didn't have a beer keg. Told my dad, sat on the beer keg. Oh, church, come on. I'm telling you what, when you get saved, you do a house cleaning. (laughs) He said, you don't know this, Alvin, but he said, we've been praying every Wednesday night for you. We've been gathering together as a group of people, and we've been calling your name before the Lord. And guess what? 
Holy Ghost responded. And I got saved. Best thing I ever did in my life. Except Jesus. So I want to preach to you this morning a little bit about don't miss your opportunity to exalt Jesus. Don't miss your opportunities to exalt Jesus. I was in a place of business this week and there's an older man and he was right now the receipt of the purchase that I had purchased. And he said to me, young man, what do you know? And I said, well, sir, I know that I'm saved and redeemed and full of the Holy Ghost and headed to heaven. Just like that. He put his pencil down. He looked up and he had the biggest old grin on his face. And he said, I am saved too. I am redeemed too. I am going to heaven too. Hallelujah. And we had a little Jericho right there, amen, in the store. He asked the right question. What do you know? I know I'm saved. Listen, if you've got a quarter in your pocket, you know you've got a quarter in your pocket. If you've got Jesus in your heart and life, you should know you've got Jesus in your heart and life. But not just you. Others should know as well. So we're going to talk about John chapter 9. Here's this story. There was a young man that was born blind from birth. He was known to be born blind from birth. He, he, everybody knew it. And so the disciples, they come along and they see this man. And he's born blind and he can't see a lick. And the disciples stop. And they look at Jesus and they say, Jesus, tell us, who sinned, this man or his parents? Who sinned that this man was born blind? Did he commit the sin or did his parents commit the sin? And that was a very prevalent thought, train of thought during that day. They thought everything bad was the result of something bad. But here's what Jesus said. He said, listen. He said, neither he or his parents sinned, but he was born blind in order that the manifestation of the glory of God might be manifested through this young man, the power of Almighty God to make him to be able to see. You have an opportunity to tell your story. Each and every one of you have your own story to tell. And you do not have to take and have a story. Oh, I, you know, I've got all this bad sin in my life and everything. You know what? You can have a, you can have a, a testimony of saying, I was born in the church. I was raised in the church. I got saved early. And, you know, and that's the best testimony is that you didn't go down that path. Because any old dead fish can float downstream, but it takes a live one to swim upstream. Come on. Somebody got it. Hey, Amen. But if you, you have a testimony, you have a story to tell, you know, look at somebody and say, I know you got a past, I just don't know it. And I'm not going to tell you mine. And I don't want to hear yours. We all have a past. We all have a present. And praise God, we all have a future. We are headed someplace. We are headed somewhere, amen, to spend eternity forever and ever. There you go, Brother Dennis. This little word manifest caught my attention. The word manifest means to reveal, to make known, to unlock, to show forth. Jesus takes a blind man. He begins to manifest God's glory, his presence, God's power, God's peace. And he opens the sight of this man born blind in order that God might be exalted. You have something in your life that God can exalt and manifest in your life that will be a blessing to others. Let me ask you a question. Has God ever done anything for you? Truly, has he done anything for you? Do you know that you know that you know that you know that you are saved? Do you know, do you know, do you really know that you know that you know that you're saved? That you're on your way to heaven? You're, glowing, you're going there, amen, every day, you know. And it's not two steps forward and three steps back. It's every day perpetual, one step in front of the other, moving forward with God. But if you have a stumbling, if you have a falling away, you can run to God, start back on that last step, and get to that place where it's either a stumbling stone or a stepping block. Get on the stepping stones, amen, and move forward. Has God ever healed you? Anybody here ever been healed? 
Anybody ever been healed mentally? Three of us. That's right. Has God ever touched us in a way that he provided for us when we didn't realize that God was getting ready to provide for us? And we didn't really even know that we needed provided for, but after he provided for us, we said, thank you, Lord, you provided for me. Have you ever had God turn something around for you? Has he turned something bad around for you and made it good? Has he done something, amen, that you were going in one direction? He said, whoa, stop, don't go there. Turn around, go the other way, amen. I got a better plan for you. Has God ever showed up just in time when he seemed like it all was going to be lost? And God shows up and he shows himself strong. He manifested himself in you. And we need to exalt him for it. Don't ever take the credit for yourself. But exalt him. And so even the disciples, think about this. Even the disciples didn't understand what was going on. Lord, who sinned? This man or his parents? They had no understanding. They had no concept. They could reason. They tried to reason, but they did not know it. Who sinned? And Jesus said, neither. For such a time as this, I'm going to heal him in front of everybody. That the works of God might be manifested in this young man. God doesn't have to fit into our mode. God doesn't have to fit into, you know, in, into what we want him to be fitted into. Amen. If God wants to do something, let God do it. Amen. Get out of the way and let him work and then praise him for it. Amen. Give him praise. Well, somebody wanted to give the Lord praise. I think it's a good time right here. Hallelujah. The disciples. Hallelujah. Bless him. Bless him, Lord. One leaves and two show up. <laughs> hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, no. No, 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 no. You could. Hey, Brother Ed, I know you're a deacon and you're a good one. You're a vice president and you're a good one. But you know what? You can keep God in your box. <laughs> you, you can't put him in a box. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Oh. We're one or two slides ahead of ourselves, but that's all right. The religious leaders of the day, they didn't understand. They didn't understand. They, they had no concept. They had no idea what was going on. They just simply said this. We don't understand it. We can't explain it. So we're just going to call Jesus a sinner. We're just going to say he's a sinner. You know, you're a disciple of, uh, of this one called Jesus. We're a disciple of Moses. Well, whoopee-doo. Yeah, he was good, but he wasn't a savior. Who you want to be on the right side of? I want to be on the savior side, amen. So they didn't understand. So here Jesus really began to confuse them because he goes to this young man. And he says, here's what we're going to do. He says, um, I, I, I want to do something kind of special. Spit in the ground. He knelt down. He started making that spittle into a clay. He picked up that clay, put it in his hands, placed it in this young man's eyes. That's the worst thing that you can ever do is put stuff in your eyes. Don't put no sawdust in there. Don't let no welding arc uh, spark get to you. But don't put mud in your eyes. I don't know where they come up with that saying, here's mud in your eye. I have no idea. It was so unorthodox, Pastor Dana. It was so unorthodox. You don't make mud and put it in a man's eyes if you're trying to get his eyes to open up and to be healed. You know, Jesus has got a sense of humor. He's got to have a sense of humor. I'm just going to make a bunch of mud here and spit in it and, and we're going to what healed him? Was it the spit? Was it the mud? Was it the water? I know what it was. It was the obedience to go and dip. And they're looking at this. They're saying, my, 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 my. I know this man was blind. 
Even this man's neighbors did not understand. They said to themselves, they said, boy, I don't know for sure, verses 8 through 9, I don't know about this for sure because uh, it looks like him. He, he looks like the young man that was blind, but we can't say for sure. And another one said, well, I, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. And the young man looks at him and said, yep, it's me. I was one that was blind, now I see. First person. Do your neighbors know that you're saved? Do they? I had a knock at our door several years ago over on Colby Street. There's a neighbor way down the street. And she said, Preacher, I want to tell you that I really feel bad about this, but we're going to cut a tree down next Sunday. And I'm thinking, what does that have to do with me? She said, we just wanted you to know because... We know that the Assemblies of God really don't like for you to work on Sunday. But we, we can only get the tree guys out here on this, on this Sunday and everything. And I, I thought, man, that's something. They won't tell me they're going to cut their tree down because it's Sunday? At least I was glad they didn't ask me to come down and help them. <laughs> that does not bother me in the least. If you have a job and you've got to work on Sunday, praise God, work on Sunday. It's the fault of the church not to provide a service for you other than Sunday. Well, I think we need to get on, on down the road here. Or getting this. <laughs> I, I told Sister Susan, I said, can you believe that? They, they just want us to, to know that they're going to cut their tree down on Sunday. And I said, they, we won't even be there. We'll be at church. Never mind. Let's go to the next slide there, man. This is the most important part of this message this morning, and that is this. When God gives you a revelation, he gives you a revelation for one purpose, and that is to have a relationship to be built with you. He will reveal himself as to who he is. He will reveal his gifts. Everything about the revelation of Christ is in order for you and he to have a relationship. Relationship requires putting into effort to get to know that one, same with Jesus. Put in the effort, and he will respond in kind to each and every one of us. Your story has your own opportunity. You see, everybody was asked when this young man became, was born blind, and he got healed and came back into the community they began to ask they said everyone wanted to know how the what the deal is with this man's story how were you blind and now how can you now see and, and who is responsible for this and what uh, what happened to you and can't you just see this young man saying well sit down here let me tell you i met a man named jesus out of the kindness of his heart he spit on the ground and made spittle clay dirt and he anointed my eyes with this spittle clay. And he told me to go and dip in the pool. Silom, interpreted being sent. And when I went and I began to dip in the water, began to wipe off the mud out of my eyes, for the first time in my life I began to understand what it means to be able to see. I began to see the water around me and the ripples, and I began to see the birds flying across the sky. I began to see the green grass. I began to see other individuals that I'd never laid eyes on before, and his name is called Jesus. And they said, where is he? He said, I don't know. I could have said, I don't know. It's not my day to watch him. No, I don't know. That wasn't very smart, was it, Donnie? I don't know. So, here's a point. You can never put God in a box. I don't care how big the box is, you can't get him in there. You cannot put God in the box of tradition. This is one of the most, one of the most, Evil things that can happen to the church is tradition. Tradition. 
tradition. Tradition has never got anybody saved. It doesn't matter how long your hair is or how short your hair is. It doesn't matter whether or not you have long sleeves or short sleeves. It doesn't matter whether you come to church in a three-piece suit or cutoffs. It doesn't matter because that's all tradition. You cannot put God in the box of religion. Religion is a killer. Religion will send more people to hell. I'm explaining to you why I say that. Because not every religion lifts up Jesus as the Son of God. There's a lot of religions out there that are, that are, I mean, terrible. You can't put God in the box of the law. You cannot put God in the box labeled impossibilities. All things are possible with God. Nothing is impossible, even the healing of a blind man. We must guard and we must be very careful. And I say this very cautiously this morning. And that is this. Do not judge without knowledge. Never judge without knowledge. In other words, because of the tradition sometimes of the church, there has been doctrine that has been put forth that says that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not of God, that it's of the devil. That is dangerous. And I tell people, listen, if you don't have knowledge about it, and if you haven't experienced it, and you don't know anything about it, you better just keep your mouth shut. You still love me? Judged without knowledge. You can't say you can live like the devil on Monday through Saturday and then come in and live like the Lord on Sunday and everything's just going to be great. <clears throat> I'm about to get myself in a heap of trouble here. But I'm, going to, I'm, I'm just saying to you that a lot of times we judge without knowledge. The disciples judge this man. The neighbors judge this man. His friends judge this man. But Jesus did not judge. <coughs> Excuse me. We know that he was born blind. And now he's healed. He's standing right before them and he's seen. Because this miracle took place on the Sabbath, the religious leaders said he cannot be a man of God. He cannot be a prophet. He cannot be a miracle worker from heaven because he is a sinner because he did this on the Sabbath. Well, I got news for you. If you're stuck on Sunday, you need to get somebody to pull you out. Come on. <laughs> oh, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. God will always pull you out if he can find something strong enough to hook on to. He'll always pull you out if he can find something strong enough to hook on to. Others looked and they said, wait a minute, let's, let's reason this out. Nobody since the beginning of time has ever been able to open up somebody's eyes and let them see that was born blind. And this man did it. So how can you say that he's a sinner just because he did it on the Sabbath because that's the law and tradition of the, uh, of the Pharisees. Whenever nobody could do this. And so he must be of, of heaven. He must be a prophet. He must be uh, a miracle worker. And there was great division among themselves. I got news for you. Your stand for the Lord will cause a division. Not everybody is going to agree with the way you agree. The way you believe. I got a call one time and they said, do you believe this, this, and this? And I said, no, but if you keep on calling, you'll find somebody that does. There's always a division that will take place when you stand up for the things of the Lord. Because not everybody wants to hear the truth. Not everybody wants to receive the truth. This man's word, it was questioned. The Pharisees did not believe that he was ever born blind. And so they called his parents and they said, yes, he's our son. Yes, he was born blind. And as to how he sees now, we do not know. Ask him, he's of age. So they did. And he gave this young man an opportunity to exalt Jesus with the evidence. So, 
If somebody says to you, I don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, say, well, you know what? When I served the devil, I didn't have it. But I had everything else he had to offer. But when I got saved, the Lord gave it to me, and I took it from the Lord. Amen? Because now I exalt him. I praise him. Amen? Oh, it gives me a deeper sense of responsibility and reverence unto the Lord. Amen? It makes me want to shout hallelujah. It makes me want to serve the Lord even more. Amen? Why? Because there's a power inside of us. Uh, there's a power inside. More than just salvation power. There's a power, amen, to give you power every single day of your life. So you have evidence. Say evidence with me. He was blind, now he sees. Well, that's pretty good evidence. I saw a sign. Well, I got saved. I just got saved. We was out in California, and I saw this sign that was up on a big, uh, big building that said, Under New Management. I said, Yes, Lord. My life is under new management. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, praise God. Uh, I know one thing. I was lost, but now I'm found. I used to be mean and hateful. You wouldn't think that was a me, would you? Oh, I was, some, I was meaner than a striped spider. I was meaner than a junkyard dog that hadn't been fed for a week. I had a mean spirit about me sometimes. Oh, I could lay it on thick. Like some of you, you can lay it on thick, amen. But, and when I got saved, hallelujah, it was like night and day. I had a school teacher, her name was Mrs. Day, and she married an old boy, and his name was Night. She went from day to night. <laughs> True story. When I got, it, when I got saved, hallelujah, <coughs> oh, everything changed. Yep. Thanks for turning my ringer on, Chris. I appreciate that. <laughs> now I am full of compassion. Come on. Now I'm full of love. And when I get my finger caught in the, in the car door, I don't holler and scream and cuss. I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm trying to help somebody this morning. I don't know if I'm doing a very good job of it, but I'm trying. You know what? There's some evidence in your life when you get right with God. And others should be able to know. Even your dog ought to know you get saved. Let's go to the next slide, fellas. Does your walk... Line up with your advertisement. Does your walk line up with your advertisement? I like this. It says, one of these, the reason why I pulled this was one of these on the back of this car says, do you follow Jesus this close? <laughs> People are watching your walk. They're listening to your talk. They want to know whether or not does your walk line up with your advertisements? Do not fear to exalt Jesus. Don't fear to exalt him. This man's parents, they began to become afraid. They feared the Jews. They feared the stigma of what was happening. They feared being kicked out of the synagogue. They feared taking a stand. But truth will reveal and the evidence will be there. Amen. And you will stand upon the evidence that is in your life because of Christ. This man was truly born blind. But now he can see. Your opportunity will, will give you boldness to exalt Jesus. You know, it's easy to testify and exalt Jesus for what Jesus has done in your life. If he pulls you out of the miry clay and he sets you up on the rock to stay, it's easy to say, well, let me tell you. I know that I know that I know that the Lord saved me. Well, how do you know that the Lord saved you? Well, because, you know, I just know he did. I mean, he changed my heart. He's on the inside, working on the outside every day of my life. And it's a joy to serve the Lord. Your opportunity will give you boldness to exalt Jesus. 
Your opportunity will come. Your experience will be there. Your victory will be there. Your testimony will be there. And your story will be shared. If you are bold enough to take a step. If you're bold enough to take that step. And to say, Lord, I'm going to lift you up high. Because your word says that if you are lifted up, you'll draw all men unto yourself. And Lord, I've got a word to share with somebody that may need it. Amen. And not just because you're a pastor, not because you're a preacher. Amen. But I got a testimony to share in what the Lord has done for me. Be bold in exalting Jesus. Tell it like it is. And have fun doing it. Because it's your testimony. When you exalt the Lord, you may lose friends. My so-called friends came by to just see if I'd really gotten saved. And when they realized I'd really gotten saved, I no longer had them as friends. They vanished. And I was really glad they did. Because they weren't good for me. I was a brand new Christian. I didn't need all their junk. I didn't need all that past junk, amen, that they had to offer. I was a brand new creation in Christ. I needed new friends. Some of you, and don't take this personal or wrong, but some of you need to get you need to take an inventory of who your friends are. And if they're not lifting up, if they're not lifting you up and they're not helping you, but they're trying to bring you down and give you junk that you know that you just got out of, you need to just vacate them. Amen. Amen. Just give them the hand. Say, I'll talk to the hand, amen. Delete them. Come on. Listen, you, listen, you play around with fire, you're going to get burnt. You feed the lion enough, you're going to get bit. Come on. Ah, my so-called friends, they left me. I'm going to make a bold statement to you. When you get saved, listen to me, when you get saved, you're going to even have some of your cousins and some of your aunts and some of your uncles and maybe even some of your brothers and sisters that are going to not understand and they're not going to want to fellowship with you like they did before. Come on. Because you're saved. And they're under conviction. Family won't even treat you the same way. But I got news for you, and that is this. God will bring to you new friends. New friends. New family. So if you're afraid, share your testimony anyway. Don't be afraid to exalt Jesus when the opportunity comes. Verse 28. The young man was mocked. He was challenged. He was accused. But he kept knowing the truth. And that was, hey, I was blind, but now I see. You guys go ahead and just, just talk all you want to and mock me all you want to and, and, and say bad things about me all you want to, but I know this. I was blind and now I see. Deal with it. Verse 27. How many times do you, he says, how many times did they said, tell us again. He said, how many times do you want me to tell you? If I tell you again, will you become a believer? It's a marvelous thing. That how this man called Jesus can touch me and cause my eyes to, to, to be able to see. And you guys are the religious leaders of the day. And you don't know who he is and you don't know how he did it. Shame on you. You're the lawyers. You're the, you're the legal guys in, the, in theology. And you don't understand it. You know what? God's not impressed with theology. No. He's impressed with relationship. To say, I give to you the opportunity to get saved. And if you get saved, I'm going to make something out of your life. That you've got to work with me. You've got to help me. Those religious leaders, they, they, they had it all wrong. And so what was the cost for this young man? He was cast out of the synagogue. Probably the best thing that ever happened to him. Jesus finds him, finds out he got kicked out of, this, out of the church. Got kicked out of the church. Wow. Just because he gave exaltation to this one called Jesus, sped in the ground, made mud, put it in his eyes, told him to go war. She went and war, she saw. And they couldn't understand it, so they got mad. And they kicked him out of the church. And Jesus finds him. And when Jesus finds him, he begins to say unto this young man, Do you believe in the Son of God? 
And the young man said, tell me who he is that I might believe. And Jesus said, you're looking at him and you're talking to him. Let that sink into your spirit this morning. You're looking at him and you're talking to him. And the young man began to worship Jesus. He said, Lord, I believe. And he began to give God praise, exaltation. I want to close with two stories. Sister Blacker and I, we were so privileged to go to, to Jamaica, West Indies. We were there with Sister Margaret. We went with some friends of ours. We flew there and I had the opportunity to teach in the Bible college the time that we were there. And I remember I stood before the group of West Indy Jamaicans and I shared with them that God knows where they were at at that moment in their lives because they, you know, they, didn't, they weren't able to eat chicken because it was too expensive. They had rice. There was a lot of things that was going on in their lives that they were very, very poor. They were there on scholarships. Northside Assembly of God right here had been giving scholarships to be able to bring in some of the students that needed to have some help financially. We had supported the college, and it was a joy for us to go and for me to speak to those Bible college students. We were there for two days and a couple days teaching, and the third day, and I got finished with the lecture and teaching, and I asked the young lady to come up to me, and she was probably in her late 20s, and she said, um, Reverend Blackard, may I speak with you? And I said, sure. You want to be spoken in private? You want my wife to be with you? Or she just want to talk to you. And she said, this week I made up my mind that I was leaving the Bible college. She said, I'd made it in my mind that I was going to leave Bible college because I didn't really understand things and I didn't even know if God knew who I was or where I was at. And this is what she said to me. She said, when you spoke to us, you spoke out of conviction of your own heart. You weren't teaching us out of a book. You shared your life experience. And she said, you know what? On the third day, I begin to believe you. All I was doing was just lifting up Jesus. But listen to me. She said, because you were so authentic in what you believe, it made me to come around and start believing. If you can do it for Pastor Alvin, you can do it for me. And that young lady went on to graduate. I'm glad I didn't teach out of some book, some theological book that day. I just shared my heart. And she received it. I had an appointment at Mercy Hospital to have a test done on my body. They wanted to find out how strong my bones are. Runs in my family that my father died of bone cancer. Runs in our family and Sister Blackard wants to keep me around a while, so she made arrangements to get the doctor to give me a bone test. She wanted to see how strong my bones were. I went there to the appointment. Young lady came out and said, Mr. Blackard, I said, that's me. She said, we're ready for you. I said, I'm ready that you're ready for me. She laid me down on a CAT scan table and she said, we're going to take a picture of your wrists, your elbows, your hips, and your knees. I said, picture on. She was a very nice young lady. After the tests were done, I didn't know the results, but after the tests were done, why she set me down and was filling out some paperwork, and the Lord gave me an opportunity to share Jesus with her. I said, it runs in my family, so they want to know what my bone density is. But I said, I'm going to tell you a little something. I said, you're not going to find any problems down there in my ankles because God healed my ankles. What? 
I said, my ankles were healed. I went off of a building, crushed my ankles. And you know that, you know, the, the ankle bones and the feet bones are like a tripod. You know, you've got two bones in the front, one in the back to steady. And then all your toes are just grippers to get you down the road. Well, my back tripod was gone. Try putting up a tripod for a camera with only two legs. And I said, God healed me. He did what? What? What'd you say? I said, my God healed me. That's why I'm in the ministry. Because God told me just to go tell people how good that he'd been to me. I wouldn't plan on being a preacher. Didn't want to be a preacher. I grew up in, in the household of being a pastor. It's tough. But how can you say no to God when he says, just go tell people how good I've been to you? My uncle in California was a doctor, and he couldn't believe it. He wanted to get x-rays, so he took me to his office and put x-rays on me. And he come back out, and he threw them kind of at me. And he said, I understand. He said, you're supposed to have growth lines in there, and all you got is just a wad of mass in there. Now, here's what I want to get across to you this morning. I wasn't just telling a story. I was telling an experience that I had with God. And God is my witness. I was telling her my story. Exalting my Lord. Lifting him up. All of a sudden the windows of heaven began to open. We began, I began to feel the power and the presence of God. The anointing of God was rich and powerful. And began to drop like little droplets of rain in that room. I began to go, whoo. I said, do you feel that? She said, I feel something I've never felt before in my life. And that's the Holy Ghost of God. What I'm saying is that God came on the scene. And what God did was he manifested his glory through a young man in the Ozarks of Missouri. Standing before this young lady. Tears begin to come to her eyes. And she said. You do not know how I needed to hear this this morning. I said. I didn't come in here planning to share it with you. But we are talking about bones. We are talking about the density of bones. My bones were sheared off. And God replaced it with a mass of something. And I tell people how good God has been to me. And God showed up that day. He showed up that day. I'm so grateful. Because you see, I'm not special. You're not special. We're all what God was speaking to my heart this morning. Each and every one of you are special to God. Each and every one of you have a story to tell. Some of your stories are so incredible. It's amazing where a, 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 a little pamphlet falls out of a book, amen, where you're in prison. Yeah. yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, that whenever God, you know, how many times do you find somebody walking on commercial street? How many times does it take, amen? Until they get saved and full of God. Hallelujah. And so I want to say this as we close. Well, I walked out of there on cloud nine because I said, whoo, Lord, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect you to show up in a powerful, magnificent way like you did. I just figured I'd just share it and we'd just go on. But, I mean, God gave the stamp of approval on that thing. He was saying, yes, what he's telling you is the truth. Amen. He stamped it, amen, by his presence, and you could feel him. You say, well, sometimes you come to church, you don't feel him. I like to feel him. I like those doodaddies running up and down my back. I get something in my shoes besides my feet. So I close with this this morning. The faith. Just don't keep it to yourself. Do you need a miracle this morning? We all need a miracle. We all need something from the Lord. 
Well, I'm here to tell you that what God has done for you in the past, step out by faith and begin to tell people what God has done for you. It even becomes fun. It becomes fun whenever they mock you and they make fun of you. And, oh, you're a holy roller. You're one of them Bible thumpers. You know what? Yeah, well, you know, it, it worked. It worked. So how many of you want to know what my test showed? I couldn't read it. I didn't understand it. I just said to Sister Susan when she pulled it up online, well, did I, did I do okay on the test? Am I going to be able to, to keep on without my bones breaking and uh, everything? She said, it's almost disgusting how good it is. Almost, almost too good. So the next time I go and I see that young lady, I guarantee you she pulled my record. She wanted to see how my bones were. I could tell you about a young man that was buried in a cave. They threw an old boy down on his bones and he cut back to life. I don't think that'll ever happen around here, but. <laughs> I trust and pray that you guys got something good out of this. I trust and pray that you'll begin to not be fearful or afraid because you know what? It's your foundational experience. Nobody can take it away from you. It's yours. And you say, well, it's not much. But you know what? It may be just exactly what the Lord wants to use to help somebody else. I want you to stand to your feet, if you would, this morning. I want you to be brutally honest with yourself. And I want you to understand something before you leave today. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done this week. I don't care what kind of mess you're in right now. I don't care. All I know is this. Jesus loves you. He cares about you. And he wants to make a way where there is no way. He wants to give you joy and peace in your heart where there is no joy and peace. But more than anything else, he wants to make you a born-again believer with your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. How many would say, Pastor Blackard, that's me. That's me. Come on, that's me. Come on, hold your hand up. Come on, that's me. Amen. That's me, praise God. I'm not perfect. He's still working on me. He's going to get me. Amen. Well, praise God.